Scatman's World. Soy, the final frontier. I'm Comrade Britain. And I'm Half-Hawk Anamorph Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS Dreamboat, our ongoing mission. To explore old episodes, both cringe and based, and to boldly go to Temporal Incursions Galore! So they trick the podcast to see where he won't have in one half queer. A hundred percent communist hail Mars, unless we have a less leftist guest. Mars trick and Britain talking, joking, farting and shitting. Star Trek Like our buttholes The show is Trek Soy Trek the podcast is here So listen to Soy Trek Right in your ears Oh hello Oh hello Oh welcome to the Bridgety Bridge Bridge Oh welcome to Bridge now Welcome to Bridge Club (laughs) We play rummy too Oh I like that. I don't know why. I'm doing a Don Johnson impression now. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, oh, no. It's the Apple Dumpling Gang. Oh, I'm, I'm the uh, I'm, 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 I'm the new landlord. Are you gay? <laughs> you're gay, aren't you? You're super gay. Oh, you can only live with those girls unless you're boning men. <laughs> you got to prove it to me. I got to watch. <laughs> I got to watch. You see? Gotta top me. Gotta and top Andy, Gr- my friend Andy Griffin's here too. He <laughs> he would also like to watch. He was he was in Matlock. Well, I I guest starred in a couple episodes. Three's Company is interesting because like they were fine with a gay guy mm-hmm. living with two women, but right. if, if it was like an unmarried man, that's some sort that's an like unmarried two, cook, an unmarried cook. like a fucking a chef <laughs> that's just like banging like two two of his roommates. He'd be like, yeah. you get the fuck out of here you're living in sin that one yeah that goes against some sort of like pure like puritanical like laws or something it's I, I, like, I, I think they're just like really accepting christians or something mm. really accepting evangelical guy yeah it's, it's very weird like yeah. they wouldn't let they wouldn't let about three single people live together but like right but uh, i'm mean, well, no they the, would no they would as long but as only as one as long as the guy is gay yeah well, what if like, it's like uh yeah we're only accepting female applicants now uh <laughs> well i have sex with men oh so you're pretty much a female then <laughs> yeah, yeah. well okay i'll take your applicant oh, oh yeah, the, gir- the girls are here <laughs> oh boy yeah but what if christy and janet were lesbians they were mm. what do you mean what if bro? what if <laughs> that's what i'm talking about i guess we'll get into that did uh did mark did mark we'll get into our mark cushman interview later like did he write a threes company Parent party? Maybe I don't know. I'll have to mm. go back to my list, mm. but uh, that that yeah. I feel it's ripe for one. I'm pretty sure it exists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you could just use the fuck uh, threes C U M company. Yeah, threes yeah. company. Yeah, that's that'd be a winner. Winner, a chicken dinner. <laughs> so, um, we got a fucking Patreon. Patreon's cool, right? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, if you go to our Patreon for as little as $2 a month at patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs, uh, you can get a ton of stuff. Like, uh, you get all of our episodes in high-quality stereo the moment I'm done making them. You get to uh, fucking vote on the classic episode of the week, which last week uh, one of our followers 
one of our patrons suggested the episode that we're going to review today, mm. and uh, folks voted on it, and it got picked. Nice. Well, it's technically, yeah, I guess it's technically two, two episodes. episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that should be fun. It would be funny to review just the first part and then just, like, never do the second part. That would be very fun. <laughs> or, or just do the second part, but never do yeah, the first part. Yeah. That'd be great. And just yeah. jump right in and not do a, like, last time on. Yeah. So just, I guess that's a that's a little hack to get us to do two episodes. It is. It yeah. is. And I also said we'll do if uh, we'll do any media people vote on as long as it's not like super long and as long as we haven't done it before so we'll fucking review a movie if people want us to mm. you know i will review other shows if people want us to yeah really people wanted us to review porn so we reviewed porn oh, that's true. yeah yeah maybe um uh farscape farscape's always good i fucking love farscape, farscape it's so sucks. horny it's yeah. so horny <laughs> yeah. it rules uh but anyway if you pay us uh five dollars a month or more uh like dylan lance nick savard jordan hale david craning sites cappies d gersky eric and south slope jormore tim wilkinson ethan adams kyle simmons pj hale shane sawyer gillian mccrary sfc punk king penumbra roberto molina seven of nine james hartman anna conklin iggy Electric Baphomet, Joe DeVideo, and Jonah Hearn. Oh, there's a few new people there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, our two newest ones are Anna Conklin and Iggy. Mm. Yeah, thank thank you very much for your your support, everybody. Nice helps uh, keep us editorially free. And yeah. uh, I just bought a new piece of equipment with the Patreon money. Oh, did you? Yeah, I bought uh, the one of these that's really small, mm. so I can we can do like I don't know a lot more mobile shows now. Mm. Uh, and I also could, I'm going to bring it to, uh, when I go to Rhode Island in a couple of weeks, I'm going to take it there and just call you and we'll do an episode oh, cool. on that. We can, uh, we can do also do something like, you know, uh, comedians in cars with coffee, but it can be, uh, podcasters in a car with Kratom. <laughs> uh, you mean uh, podcasters in a car accident with Kratom? <laughs> yeah, yeah, get the car accident. Whoa, with man, this is like taking two oxys. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, God. It tastes like dirt. You just hear a crash and then. <laughs> hear sirens. <laughs> I think just, he's still alive. He's just really high on Kratom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like this idea, though. Yeah. Podcasters and a car accident with Kratom. You know, you know, they have stoner comedies. I think someone should do a Kratom comedy. Mm. I think that'd be good. I don't think that's been done yet. No, it hasn't. I mean, watch people like drink big cups and get <laughs> wild <laughs> and just sit on their couch and be like, man, I wish I had more money. <laughs> yeah. Then nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. oh. This movie's four hours long. <laughs> It's about a guy slowly turning down his thermostat over the winter (laughs) on Kratom. And family guys just playing in the background. (laughs) That's very on brand. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like like, uh, family guy is to Kratom what Rick and Morty is to shitty weed. Mm, It's true. Yeah. yeah. Or or shitty dabs, more specifically. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've seen more Rick and Morty dab rigs than I've seen Rick and Morty bongs, oddly. That is true. Mm -hmm. Like... I've, I think when I one time I went to um, OB or whatever in um, uh, California, mm-hmm. like uh, went to in like a little he- uh, uh, head shop, and then mm-hmm. there was just like nothing but Rick and Morty dab rigs. <laughs> cool. I was just like, oh, I should get one of these. I should get a pickle Rick dab rig. Why mm-hmm. not? It's for yeah. fun. But if you want a pickle rip dab rig, go over to patreon.com. Um, uh, 
slash dumbidiotbs and sign up uh, for one of those. We've got more tiers too, including one with uh, the media dungeon, my media server on it. Mm. And uh, you get access to, uh, God, almost 17,000 films and, um, I don't know, 800 shows or something. Yeah. Whole bunch of media. <clears throat> Just, mm-hmm. yeah. And like more media than you could shake a stick at. I've got every episode <laughs> of Star Trek in HD. Even the shit mm-hmm. they didn't release in HD, I oh, have wow. an HD. <laughs> Upscaled looks good. I got the best upscales of each program. Yeah, I will say it does look really good. Whenever mm-hmm. I have to watch an episode for the show, for the podcast, I'm like, wow. You mean whenever popping. whenever you get to watch an episode? Yeah, right. Whenever when whenever you have the fucking privilege. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I was like, I was like, oh, I gotta watch the episode for my. I'm like, or I can watch the Time Machine starring um, uh, Guy Pierce. Oh yeah, that <laughs> that one was not great. <laughs> I fell asleep. Uh, halfway during it mm-hmm. like uh I, when i woke up it was over with I'm like i'm like oh and i went back to sleep <laughs> yeah you, you you probably made the right decision there yeah. it was directed by uh the great grandson of orson wells that's interesting or not orson wells uh hg wells, H.G. wells yeah. Yeah, yeah i was like that's really fascinating he just became a movie director and then was it was picked chosen for this yeah or it could be like the guy with the last name bigelow who directed deuce bigelow too <laughs> Like, I think they just chose him purely based on his last name and the yeah. fact that he had directed, like, a movie before. And so, <laughs> he probably never directed a movie before. Like, oh, they just call in up Bigelow's in the <laughs> Yeah, and you're like, you want to do a movie? And they're like, I've got a real job, click. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> then they found one who does. It's like, oh, you want to direct a movie? Uh, I'm a, uh, I work in a, uh, <laughs> in a toll booth on the on a highway. Yeah, <laughs> sucking like, sucking dicks. Yeah, sucking dicks. S- sucking the operator's dicks. I don't actually like operate the toll booth. Yeah, uh, but you're hired. Yeah. And he's just like, all right, and then Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo too, mm-hmm. bombed at the box office. What did they expect? I mean, yeah. did the first one do super well? I think there's a lot of un- unanswered questions that we didn't get. Right. Like, <laughs> so. like uh, my my favorite one. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Who fu- yeah. Who's who's watching this? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I feel like especially with a lot of those comedies, mm-hmm. it's like any sort of like uh, sequel you do afterwards is just like rehash of all the same jokes. Mm-hmm. So it's just like okay, yeah, we have to have like Deuce Bigelow like having to seduce more like wacky women right <laughs> it's like all right we've already this is well tread ground we don't need to see it again yeah i i haven't seen either of them really yeah interesting maybe we should review one of those on <laughs> yeah it has um that one dude he's now in discovery he plays the admiral he plays like the initial gigolo oh interesting yeah he plays the gigolo but then like um i think uh um Deuce Bigelow is like he cleans up fish tanks for a living and actually destroys his fish tank and, oh no. and while watching his house so he has to like he become has to a take, gigolo he has and to, yeah to pay for it oh okay <laughs> that's certainly a plot for a movie yeah somebody wrote on a napkin somewhere but he does it through being compassionate mm-hmm. and listening to and women eating pussy <laughs> and eating pussy eating <laughs> some eating some clit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, don't, I think we I think we could actually erase probably all you know get the given like the, the subject of this episode we're about to review, mm-hmm. if we had um, the power to erase something from existence, I think it would be Rob Schneider's career. Yeah, or and just nothing, Rob Schneider himself. Yeah, nothing but, of value would be lost. I know, like, like we, we do we, I would I would never have to have heard you can do it. <laughs> right. You can do it all night long. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you actually erase him from existence, and we're <laughs> and we're shielded from the effects so we're aware mm-hmm. that he once existed. And then we just wake up and like like we have flying cars and <laughs> yeah, and then and then one of us just makes a movie called You Can Do It and becomes like <laughs> yeah. a multi billionaire. Oh, uh, we got a script here called Deuce Bigelow, Male Jig. <laughs> <laughs> and and one called The Hot Chick. It's the funniest <laughs> shit I've ever read. Yeah. A guy turns get this. A guy turns into a girl. <laughs> Who would have thought of that shit? Like, oh my god, <laughs> you're seeing things through different, through completely different eyes. No one has ever conceived of this. Yeah. What drugs? were you on got like a psychedelic kaleidoscope you're looking through man <laughs> but it's also a microscope on society man <laughs> it's a microscope on society you're, you're revealing our truths that you're bringing them to light mm-hmm. yeah uh, anyway so that's yeah. uh, patreon.com slash dumb idiot bs <laughs> yes uh for access to all types of cool stuff <clears throat> and uh thanks to everyone who supports us yeah. we appreciate you y'all rock y'all nice you people. really do hell yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, with that being said, let's get into today's episode. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we watched uh, Voyager Season 4, Episode 8. Mm-hmm. By the way, 4-8 is my birthday. Oh, yeah. So this is my birthday episode. Oh. Kind of. It wasn't oh, yeah. released anywhere near my birthday. Should, we should definitely do that and see what our birthdays are in the episode thing. Oh, I yeah. guess all people like who have any birthdays, though, after like... Seven, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. like, well, just like after I mean, July, yeah, yeah, and, and the or or if you were born like you know after like twenty two or twenty three, right, right, twenty three <laughs> days in the week, right, yeah. Right. So <laughs> a lot of people don't have them. So but, a lot of people don't have them. But this this is mine for Voyager, and yeah. you know what? What a, what a fucking episode to have for it's your good. birthday episode. Yeah, it's hell, great. Yeah, yeah, year of hell. Yep. So this is uh, the episode Year of Hell, as you said. Released on November 5th, 1997. It's the 75th episode of Voyager overall and the 489th episode of Star Trek overall. Um, it was written by Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski. Minoski is probably best known. Of course, we know who Brandon Braga is, yeah. uh, co- co-executive producer on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, DS9, I believe, as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, he also wrote fi- uh, sorry uh, so Brandon Bragg is, everyone knows him but uh, Joe Minoski should probably be well known in the Star Trek community a lot of people don't know who he is though uh, but he was a producer on the show and also wrote 57 episodes of Star Trek altogether mm. uh, including uh, Tinker Tenor Dr. Spy oh, the yeah. last Voyager episode we watched as well as Darmok from TNG mm. oh uh, I love Darmok yeah yeah and the screenplay for First Contact he was one of the co-writers oh, wow. yeah yeah mm. wrong with Ronald D. Moore and a couple others. Um, and then this one was directed by Alan Croker. Uh, Croker is actually a pretty great Star Trek director. He um, did DS9's Children of Time mm. and Sacrifice of Angels and A Time to Stand. Uh, he did this one in Voyager. He also did Unimatrix Zero, the fucking sick-ass um, Seven episode mm. where she like goes into the Borg Matrix and shit. Mm. Uh, he also did Fairhaven, which is one of my favorite camp mm. episodes of the series. Oh, yeah. Um, and he also did the finales for DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise, two, oh, wow. two of which are terrible, in my opinion. <laughs> DS9's pretty good, yeah. but, but Endgame is not good. No. And, uh, fucking, um, These Are the Voyages is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it so much. I don't know. I don't think that's his fault, necessarily. I think yeah. it's more the writing that's yeah. very underwhelming. Very underwhelming. 
Very underwhelming. All right, let's uh, let's get right into this bad boy. So yeah. we start on a screen that shows a planet and a title card reading day one. And that's kind of a common theme throughout these two episodes is uh, it keeps on giving like the day of something because mm. this is, after all, the year of hell. Yes. So the planet, verdant and highly developed, uh, is washed over by a bright light. Suddenly, the entire settlement is gone, leaving nothing but nature in its wake. Up on a ship, a voice says the temporal incursion is complete. All organisms and man-made objects have been eradicated. A voice orders to probe the continuum, uh, asking if their target has been achieved. And the voice is none other than Mr. Kurtwood Smith. Yeah. Best known as probably best known as Red Foreman from that 70s show, mm-hmm. but also very well known as the, the villain from RoboCop. Yeah. Uh, he was a perfect villain in that. I love yeah. it. He's, he's in Star Trek somewhere else, too, isn't he? He's in a movie. He's, yeah, the, he's, president he's the president in yeah. four. Was yeah. It? yeah, yeah. He plays like a weird uh, dude with like a he Fu look, Manchu ma- mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like <laughs> an ancient like Chinese wizard. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty good luck. <laughs> yeah, he rocks. Kurtwood Smith is awesome. Yeah, Kurtwood Smith like kills it in both these episodes. He does. I like like rewatching, and you're just kind of struck like. This would be this would have been a perfect Star Trek movie, movie straight yes. up. It's one of the better Star Trek movies because he would have been because like I think one problem like a lot of like you know the existing Star Trek films have is mm-hmm. they typically don't have that compelling the villains yeah, and they don't have that movie feel. They like a lot no. of them just feel like episodes because the villain isn't big enough, isn't mm-hmm. like doesn't have an interesting enough motive like yeah. his motive in this makes way more sense to me than uh, you know fucking. Uh, what's his face from um, from Star Trek Generations yeah. or Shinzon? Yeah. yeah, like yeah, it, it, he actually has stakes, and it's clear that over the course of two hundred years, like he initially had a uh, a goal, which mm-hmm. is just to make a weapon, mm-hmm. and now he's more driven by this like this, ins- this obsession, like, obsession. Yeah, yeah, and he's not entire he's not entirely like beyond the scope of redemption mm-hmm. like he like because really like his his villain his reason for villainy is a very human one where he just mm-hmm. wants his dead wife back or wife that does has never existed we'll, we'll get into that yeah yeah, yeah. so uh the voice was kurtwood smith asking if the target has been achieved but the target has not in fact been achieved uh, his underling doesn't understand how they weren't successful as it took months making the necessary calculations. Kurtwood Smith says they must be patient. He muses that n- destroying one Zal colony is not enough. He orders a course towards the Zal homeworld. The entire species, he decides, must be erased from time. Opening credits, Whoa. one minute and 20 seconds. Very short, concise cold open, but mm. it's a great <clears throat> cold open. Yeah. It's intriguing. Yeah. Gotcha. It hooked it hooked you. You're like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. You want to know more? So up on the Voyager, the senior staff is in a new astrometrics lab, trying out their new technology. Seven of Nine is given command of the lab, even though Harry Kim helped build it. <laughs> so the lab's co-designer, Ensign Harry Kim, uh, demonstrates with her a new course back to Earth that will save them five years of travel time. Taurus notices they're coming upon an area of space with many Class M planets. Mm. Seven says the territory is inhabited by the Zal, a mostly peaceful species with a low Borg resistance quotient. <laughs> Which I love how she just still remembers all that shit. Yeah, it makes sense. That's how she. That's how she's like, you know, 
conceptualize these these aliens beforehand mm-hmm. you know her entire life is it's like oh yeah like they're not that resistant yeah yeah we could stomp <laughs> them it's cool so uh the doctor has a speech prepared and mm-hmm. this speech rocks mm-hmm. uh but it starts to drag on for the people there because they're unappreciative of the wonderful doctor yeah and everybody becomes impatient and uh but he's interrupted by a bridge hail to janeway informing her of an incoming hail I do love how sentimental and uh, the doctor is. Like right. He, he shows he's more open with his compassion for everyone. Yeah, than he's got else. more feeling than anyone else on the yeah. ship, which is like just. And they're just like, shut up. Right, but he's like, <laughs> I'm glad to call you colleagues and friends. And then they clap, and then like he keeps talking. They're like, oh. That would be funny if they had. If, if, uh, they have sort of a remote control with a mute option on it. <laughs> or just a remote control butt plug. So it's like, call you all my friends. <laughs> Furthermore, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that would be- ah, I need a new uniform. <laughs> that would be funny if they could just mute him and he has no idea he's muted. So he's just like going, he's just, he's everyone's just, just nodding at him. Like, yeah. like, look at each other and laughing. <laughs> like he's just, and he's giving this, this, this rot emotional speech and they're just, like <laughs> idiot. Yeah. So the crew disperses and ignores the doctor's offer to finish the speech later. Fuck him. Mm-hmm. Fuck him. I I I'd watch your speech. Yeah. Guy. So the hailing ship begins firing on Voyager, uh, but the with useless weapons and low warp capacity. Janeway holds the ship and is greeted by a Krenim commandant who or commandant who informs her that they're in disputed territory and have no business there. Janeway dismisses the threat and continues on at yellow alert just in case. Day four. <laughs> skin. Day four skin. Day four skin. The foreskin day. <laughs> Every day. Uh, so this everyone's is, getting everyone's getting their bris. Mm-hmm. They are. <laughs> That's the unforeskin day. Yeah. They just, they just need more material for the replicators. I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, everyone needs to go to give up a little piece of themselves. Yeah. They get to Chakotay and they're like, you know what? We don't need any more. This one's. <laughs> God, what is that a tumor? <laughs> Just uh, no, so, that's that's a Kuchimaya. It's, it's a it's a wizard sleeve. Yeah, yeah, that's a Kuchimaya. <laughs> that's dog. a Kuchimaya. Yeah. Uh, so, and uh, three days later, entering Zal space, Voyager rendezvous with a Zal representative, and he's pretty cool. He assures her there is nothing to fear from the Krenim, uh, who were defeated by the Zal over a generation ago, despite <clears throat> them having powerful temporal weapons. He says their ship still wanders all territory as little more than a nuisance. The representative begins asking about Voyager's journey, but is interrupted by Harry Kim hailing Janeway to the bridge, informing her the Krenim vessel has returned. Uh-oh. So Janeway is once again greeted by the same Krenim com- commandant who accuses Janeway of consorting with the enemy. And yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. The Zal threatens the Krenim commandant, but as Janeway begins to interject, Harry reports a large spatial distortion five light years across headed straight towards them. Mm. Tuvok scans it and reports it to be a space-time shock wave originating from a vessel near the Zal homeworld. Tom Paris attempts to escape from the wave, but the wave destabilizes the warp field and they're caught within. Pretty, pretty cool effects here. Yeah. Although overall, like the CGI in this episode is not very good. No, the the set designs and the set pieces are mostly very good, though. Yeah, like uh, the Zal guy disappearing, and then also later, you know, when you know, and like, um, you know, the people are being phased out of the ship and mm-hmm. stuff. Like it looks, and then also like a lot of the uh, 
the matte paintings of the planets as before they're um, completely wiped away. Yeah, not not yeah. not the best effects I've seen. Not and the this, best effects. I mean, this this really shows you like the UPN budget. Yeah, on the UPN production here. Yeah, and that and that and it is funny because I think if they had like a movie style budget, this would have been the Voyager film. It would have, and this, it would have been the best. I mean, people say Scorpion. Mm-hmm. No, that's yeah. that's not right. It's it's Year of Hell. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah, like yeah, Voyager Year of Hell. Like, people would have gone and seen that in theaters. Mm-hmm. Especially like the ending could have been so much more impactful mm-hmm. if they just gave it more time. Yes, yes. like honestly, mm-hmm. if they would have made the scene a minute longer, I would have fucking cried at that yeah. shit. <laughs> it was yeah. it was sentimental and it made me feel a little feel, but mm-hmm. like I was like. They could actually like do something with this if they make the dialogue and the pacing a little slower. But yeah, yeah. we'll get there. We'll, yeah, get, yeah, there we'll get there. We'll get there. In the end. In the end, doesn't even matter. matter. <laughs> I put my trust in Zal. <laughs> okay, so um, as the space-time shock overtakes the ships, the Zal and their ships vanish, uh, while the Krenim vessel becomes a large Krenim warship. Uh oh. Voyager is launched into disarray and red alert. The crew suddenly goes from pristine to disheveled. Crew member lies dead on the floor. The crew is still unaware of exactly what has happened. Suddenly, Voyager is rocked by a hit from a Krenim warship. Tuvok reports the shields at 17%. The Krenim uh, commandant hails again and offers the crew amnesty if they surrender their ship. Janeway refuses and says she doesn't respond well to threats <laughs> in very Janeway fashion. Mm. And the Krenim tells her to prepare to be boarded. And then he gets out a two by four. He's like, <laughs> we're going to hit you with a board. Prepare to be boarded. Or he's like, pulls up the chairman of the board. Oh, yeah. Or yeah, just pull, pulls up a skateboard. And he's yeah. like, we're, we're boarding, motherfucker. We're boarding. Skate off. Going to make you watch this Carrot Top movie. Skate off for the pink slips to our ship. <laughs> um, so, uh, Janeway refuses to surrender and says, uh, yeah. So, Janeway orders everyone to battle stations and she'll, tells Chakotay, this is turning into the week of hell. Ooh, shout out. Oop. Shout out to the Little title. does he know. Little does he know. I mean, I the feel year like. year of hell. Yeah, right. I feel like his whole life is held up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he just, he has no home. He has no, like, real culture. Mm-hmm. He, like, hangs on to this, like, weird, fake, convoluted culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, like, Starfleet, it's, he just loves rules. He loves love rules. He just loves fucking restricting holodeck access. I mean, he does kind of come out in the next episode a little bit. I think he has a lot to do, which is fascinating for a Chakotay episode. Yeah. But, like, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, something that's not, like, based around... Um, his fake religion. No, yeah, <laughs> that's fake. that's that's true. Yeah, yeah, this is fake heritage and shit. Yeah, yeah, they could have done so much more with the Maquis in that context. They could have, mm. I don't know. There was there was a lot more to be done there. Yeah, they fucked up. So, um, Voyager is getting wrecked. Chakotay can't understand why, but Tuvok comes in with the science and informs them that their science is too tight. <laughs> and the torpedoes they're getting hit with aren't photonic, but are instead chronotonic. Mm. Yeah, they're full of weed. That, <laughs> that chronic shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're, uh, they're getting through the shields because they're making the shields stoned. Oh. Right? Yeah, they're just, like, getting them blazed. Yeah. Like, send, the- send them the Rick and Morty dab. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's like, no. Yeah, the missile just like appears. <laughs> Time to get swifty. Um. <laughs> so, uh, the chronotonic torpedoes are actually getting through the shields because they're in a state of temporal flux, mm. uh, just like um, Back to the Future. Oh, like yeah. The flux capacitor it was for uh, temporal yeah. flux, dog. Helpless, Janeway orders the ship to flee at once. After they escape danger, Janeway asks for a damage report. Shit is wrecked. That's the report. And mm. most auxiliary power and short-range sensors are all they have working at the moment. Janeway orders a 24-hour tactical alert and orders Tuvok to find a way to modify the shields against the temporal torpedoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fill them with CBD, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Let's make it, give them a good body high. Mm-hmm. Make them have nice dreams. Mm. So on the weapon ship, the Krenim ship, uh, Obrist, who's the underling, reports to Kurtwood Smith, whose name is Anorax, yeah. which is a sick fucking that name. That is a sick name. Uh, that's, also, that's also a very like good movie villain name. It is. It's, it's like memorable. It's just good. Mm-hmm. Um, so Obrist tells Anorax that uh, him... Uh, tells him by wiping out the Zal homeworld the Zal never existed meaning the Krenim were never defeated and the entire region has become Krenim space again mm. so Anorax holds a sealed glass enclosure containing a lock of red hair and he looks at it solemnly it's Beverly Crushers <laughs> it's just like I remember the waterfall <laughs> I remember it. Uh, he looks at it solemnly and Anorax asks Obrist if the colony at Kyana Prime was restored uh, more like the colony at Guyana. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Obrist informs Anorax that in this timeline, the Krenim territory doesn't extend that far, like every time they've tried before. Anorax says they have failed their mission and orders Obrist to begin calculations for another temporal incursion. Obrist pleads that over after over 200 years of attempts, They've never achieved success on this level of 98% completion, and a minor temporal incursion could jeopardize that. Anorak simply orders him to obey, and Oberist abdicates. Day 32! <laughs> Voyager is still being pursued by the Krenim warship as a torpedo jams into the space between the saucer section and the star drive. The bridge is fucking wrecked. And it surprisingly gets more wrecked by the next episode. But they're doing a good yeah. job of, like, progressively making it look more and more completely fucked up. Yeah. I kind of wondered, did they, when they filmed this, did they just, like, build another set that was completely fucked? I do wonder that, too. Because I was wondering that a lot. Like, I was like, because that seems a lot of work to just, like, completely fuck up your existing set and then mm-hmm. turn it back to normal. <laughs> I, I'm, maybe they covered it in plastic sheets and then just, like, marked up the plastic sheets mm-hmm. and shit. Uh, that could be it, yeah. Yeah, they, they have, like, uh, plastic sheets over all their furniture, like an Italian family. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, there is scorch marks and everything. They have the giant thing coming from the ceiling. Like, uh-huh. everything's, like, smoky and disgusting. I was just like, yeah. this has to be a separate set. That Who giant is? thing coming from the ceiling? Yeah. Shout out to the hedgehog stock. <laughs> yeah. It's like filling it up. It's not yeah. stop. Yeah. It's just, we're drowning in here. <laughs> if you eat my seed, you will survive. <laughs> Never do that again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already having nightmares about it, Pat. Uh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, it's really not. Uh, <laughs> so. <coughs> 
The bridge is wrecked, and Tuvok has not succeeded in finding a way to combat the temporal torpedoes. The doctor hails from sickbay, informing them that there is a power overload in his department. Harry Kim attempts to stop it and fails, and an immediate evacuation of Deck 5, the medbay deck, is ordered. Janeway orders Tuvok to arm four of their remaining torpedoes and set them up like mines. Mm. She tells Paris to let the Kremen get within five kilometers of them. The plan works and the torpedoes destroy the Kremen ship, but Voyager is still waning. On deck five, the doctor is evacuating crew into Jeffrey's tubes uh, because an explosion is about to come. But two of them, running towards the tube, do not make it in time, and he's forced to sacrifice the two in order to close the hatch and save everybody else. That was a pretty hard uh, hard scene. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, the doctor, like, showed some real fucking emotion there and, like, yeah. some real, like, thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. Yeah, he's just like, well, I got, you know, if I leave this open, everyone dies. So. That's a scene right there that just builds stakes instantly and well. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. if they did it in a movie, I'd hope they'd maybe kill off a minor character or mm-hmm. even a main character. Yeah. Because that actually, like, raises stakes, like, not really artificially at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, uh, I don't know. And plus, like, yeah, when he closes it, they're basically, like seven feet away like they're so close to making mm-hmm. it on time but he, just, he, he he has to make that he has to make that decision on the fly you know as a hologram you know just being like well gotta sacrifice these people yeah sacrifice of angels baby sacrifice of angels so um the explosion is so violent that the bridge crew is knocked off their feet tuvok reports that two crew members are deceased Janeway orders Tuvok to survey as uh, the ship as she makes her way to the ready room with Chakotay. The ready room is even more wrecked. It's fucking just fucking fucked up. There's it like is. a beam fucking collapsed in that shit. Mm-hmm. There's charred paper everywhere. It's pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, Chakotay tells Janeway that they should abandon ship as they're still unable to modify the shields against the temporal torpedoes and their time is running out. Janeway refuses, thinking the crew is stronger as a team, and says they'll remain on the ship as long as it remains in one piece. Suddenly, Tom Paris hails them, informing them of another incoming attack. Day 47. <laughs> I do like how it just jumps around time a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I, I kind of wish they did it with just, like, black title cards, though. Yeah. Like Stanley Kubrick uses. Mm-hmm. I think dun. That, Yeah, dun! <laughs> or, blah! Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think they had that sound back then. But, nah. uh, oh, fuck, where is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... Day 54. <laughs> um, maybe I'll do that from now on on the episode. I think they should also like done more stuff like, yeah, like it does that, then it cuts, and then like Harry Kim's getting like um, his limbs sawed off in like a Civil War style hospital. Oh, that'd be so amazing. <laughs> like they're just cutting, they're just sawing, like uh, the, the doctor's just having to saw his leg off and he's like screaming. And in the next scene, they're just like cannibalizing Neelix. <laughs> He's on, he's, a, like, he's on a he's on a spit being slowly Mr. Roasted. Vulcan, no! But it is logical. Pulling, we must eat. They're pulling hairs out of their teeth. Like. <laughs> uh, tastes like Leola root. Oh, <laughs> I've gagged on Neelix before, but never like this. <laughs> Says the child. Um, uh, womp. Um... So, 
Day 47. <laughs> we find Harry Kim and Bellana Torres trapped in a dark turbo lift car. They've already been there for six hours and are passing the time by not having sex with each other. <laughs> Bad idea. Bad idea. Now, they're playing guessing games instead, and they're like trying to guess trivia. Basically mm-hmm. playing, I don't know, like a trivial pursuit kind of thing on yeah. this. But uh, they get to a, a question about uh, Zephram Cochran's ship, and suddenly Seven of Nine prize the door open and frees them. Seven informs him that the entire turbo lift system went down and Taurus wants to go repair it, but Harry directs her towards sickbay as Seven goes to repair the damage. But before she does, she uh, answers the question that uh, Zephram Cochran's ship was the Phoenix and drops a little first contact reference in there saying that the Borg were there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess she would know that. Yeah, she would. Yeah. yeah so on the bridge... Tom Paris has a little idea based on the design of the RMS Titanic, which uh, Janeway points out sank. (laughs) uh, Paris posits that they could seal off sections of the ship with transverse bulkheads in the event of a uh, containment breach. Awesome, but isn't that one of the whole reasons like uh, the ship sank in the first place that filled with liquid? Um, no, it wasn't because of... Well, I mean, yeah, it's because yeah. it filled with liquid, but it hit more of the containment tanks than could actually uh, mm. suffer the breach. So, yeah, yeah it was... It was the, the ship got too fucked up. But yeah. if it got a little less fucked up, those those uh, bulkheads would have worked. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, mm. it's still like a system that's like used in ships today mm. and stuff. So, um, But I, I always thought that that's what the fucking emergency... Um, uh, force fields were for yeah I, right I, I feel that works fine yeah and later in the episode <laughs> one of those comes into play yeah like in the second episode yeah yeah it's, um, in a very dramatic way which yeah, is sick as fuck it is but yeah it's weird that it'd be cooler if it was a bulkhead to just drive home the point that tom paris is cool and has good ideas uh, yeah. yeah uh so janeway approves of this and the doctor hills paris from the mess hall asking for assistance in his capacity as a medic over with Seven of Nine, she's going to repair the turbo lift when she finds an object lodged in a Jeffrey's tube. It's a temporal torpedo, still armed and ready to blow. Just like me. <laughs> I've got a gun and I suck dick. <laughs> she hails Tuvok, who comes immediately. Come. Um, Tuvok arrives and decides to put a level 10 force field around the torpedo. Seven wants to scan the torpedo to understand the temporal variance, but he tries to get her out. At the very last second, Seven finds the variance, but right as the torpedo explodes. Tuvok shields Seven from the explosion, and it hits him in the face, fucking blinding him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way to make way to make the fucking black guy blind again. <laughs> yeah. Like, why do you got to fucking Ray Charles all, all these poor guys? I know. It's, it's fucked up, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing like a force field shielded them from the explosion entirely mm-hmm. otherwise they would have been just like vaporized right right time vaporized time vaporized. temporally vaporized it's like tuvok who's tuvok mm-hmm. day 65 <laughs> voyager is fucked um janeway records in her log that the replicator system was taken down so now the crew is surviving on emergency rations prepared by neelix (laughs) so you know they're just barfing in the hallways (laughs) environmental controls are failing and many decks are uninhabitable and that's where they send neelix Uh, (laughs) only one man can survive there (laughs) only one man should survive (laughs) that is what they say 
Uh, Chicote approaches Janeway and reminds her that it's her birthday and gives her a silver pocket watch he replicated months earlier. She tells him in their current condition it's a non-essential luxury and he should recycle it because it means another meal or another life-saving device if he does. Which, uh, great point, actually. Yeah. But he's like, oh, I made it months ago. I wanted you to have it. But that's not a good argument. That's not very altruistic. Fuck you, Chicote. Chicote, like, you can literally just make it when... When you're not going to die. <laughs> when you're not going to die. Right. Also, I guess, good revelation. Uh, Janeway is a Taurus. Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah. I Yeah, that's uh, a... What, what's a Taurus? Is that an air sign or an earth sign? I think it's an earth sign. Okay. Interesting. I saw. I, I've always seen her more as a fire sign. Yeah, definitely. True. Yeah, she got that. She got that spark in her. That baddie. She got that. Yep. Uh, uh, her strength is loyalty. Weakness can be judgmental. I, thought, I think that's more Chicote. Mm, but I mean, he's only two, loyal to two authority Vicks, figures. Tuvix. True. True. <laughs> so. Um, over with Tuvok, he's completely blind due to the torpedo explosion. Seven enters and informs him it's time for morning rounds. And he's like, is that what you call English muffins? <laughs> um, <laughs> I just made that up. That was a great joke. Thank you. I used to uh, live near an uh, English muffin factory. That's pretty cool. I bet it smelled great. It was awesome. Yeah. I, English muffins rule. They do. They're, and they're, they're vegan, so too. Like, all yeah. of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, she has devoted her time to helping Tuvok uh, as recompense for him saving her life. She noticed he cut himself shaving, and she offers to help him shave, but he's like, uh, shaving is hardly a life-threatening action. Yeah. It is funny that he's even still, like, looking into the mirror. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, shaving is logical. Since when? I don't... Why? Actually, it's not logical in this point, because yeah. you're wasting a ton of fucking water. Mm -hmm. like, it, it, like, he filled the entire basin up just to shave right it's like okay shouldn't you be conserving water and not shaving mm -hmm. because that's water people can drink right <laughs> like why why and he's, instead he's just like you know getting all of his uh, little little facial hairs in there yeah instead they have fucking just neelix over at the water rec reclamation plant just like spitting into it over and over <laughs> like give him more gum give him more gum <laughs> yeah he's like all dry he's like, <gasps> <laughs> no more water no more water. <laughs> no more. He's all just a wilted, wilted <laughs> raisin of a man. His lips are all cracked and bleeding, <laughs> <laughs> and there's no, but there's no, no even blood that comes out because he's so dehydrated. He looks like the guy in the desert at the beginning of Star Trek Five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right, we've juiced Neelix enough. Yeah, kill him. <laughs> yeah, put him in the matter reclamation. <laughs> yeah, um, that's kind of what they do in Dune too. The, they extract yep. all the water from their bodies. Yeah. They do. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Just yeah, just put Neelix in the matter reclamation thing. I wonder if they put the dead bodies in there in the matter reclamation thing. That Let makes the sense. bodies hit the matter reclamation. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work quite no. rhythmically. No, nah, I can see why they didn't use that. No, nah, but still, like a human body that can produce. That's probably why tu uh, Tuvok has like water to shave with. You're yeah. just throwing human bodies in there and getting getting the matter. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, he's just pretty much shaving with someone else's blood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so Seven offers a theory as to how they could modify their shields to handle the temporal torpedoes, and Tuvok decides they should go modify the deflector control instead of doing morning rounds. Uh, and she's like, "What? so no English muffins? I want my morning rounds. Come on. 
<laughs> Chakotay hails the ship, warning of another incoming attack from the Kremen. Tuvok orders Seven to go modify the shields while he feels his way to the bridge. Tuvok arrives on the bridge and has the computer initiate a tactile interface allowing him to feel the controls. Weapons are only partially online and Janeway orders Seven to bring up the modified shields. Harry informs the crew the bridge is being targeted as Seven gets the shields online. The Kremen fires two torpedoes. The first one misses thanks to Tom Paris being a great pilot. But the second one hits and no damage is done. Seven's modifications seem to have worked perfectly. Chainway hails the Kremen and tells them to stand down as their weapons are no longer effective. The Kremen do not respond, so Janeway orders them to continue on through Kremen space. Back with Anorax. 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 Uh, yeah, dude. I fucking love Anorax. Scott Ian, you know? He's yeah. great riffs, man. I feel I feel that would also be like a sick name for a band or something. Mm-hmm. Like, just like, yeah, just having them in the black metal font, like, Anorax. That would be actually <laughs> sick as fuck, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, back with Anorax, they're using temporal weapons on the homeworld of the Garanor. Just as with the Zal, the weapon wipes out any hint of civilization, and the temporal shockwave radiates outwards from the planet. Back on Voyager, the Krenim warship is still in pursuit. Harry Kim reports the temporal shockwave approaching him from twenty uh, approaching from twenty light years away. Even before it was wrecked, uh, Voyager couldn't outrun it, so in its current state, it has zero chance. The wave hits, but the ship is protected thanks to the same shields that work against the temporal torpedoes. Mm. Cool. However, the Krenim warship doesn't have such shields, and the shockwave takes them from a mighty warship to once again a diminutive cruiser that poses zero threat to Voyager. Chakotay scans the region, and whereas before the Krenim were everywhere, there are now no colonies in just a few ships like when they first entered the territory. I wonder at this point if they didn't have their temporal shields, mm-hmm. they would have just like gone back to normal because then like they would have had been blown up by the Krenim in the first place. Right, that's a yeah. good point. Yeah, I, I, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, <laughs> but the- that's actually good writing. That's <laughs> yeah. effective. Yeah, yeah. Then like, uh, uh, but then like they would have just continued on their way, and like Anorex would have just like been continue fucking up. Yeah, he would have <laughs> been like, no, well, okay, well. <laughs> I guess I'll keep doing. <laughs> Find my wife. My wife. My wife. Um, Anorex, the, mo- the most epic wife guy. Hell yeah. Also, it makes me wonder because like he's been doing this for two hundred years. If he brought his wife back, wouldn't she be long dead? Yeah. Right. Well, I guess I, I I think his intention is also like you know his wife being wiped out also meant his children would be wiped out and his future, grandchildren in yeah. future generations. So yeah, but he was all about his wife, which is why he keeps her hair. Yeah. He just wants to see his wife again. I think yeah. he's a big wife guy. Yeah, he's a wife guy. Yeah, he's definitely a wife guy. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I mean, you know, he never turns that self crit on himself, being mm-hmm. like, well, if I was out of the picture, right? Yeah. Uh, excuse me, do you have the wife guy password? <laughs> That's what he's looking for. He's looking for the wife guy password. Yeah, yeah. Get his guy. wife back. Yeah, he's at the Starbucks. He's uh, trying to get on. Going to every well. Starbucks, asking if they have the wife guy password, <laughs> and if they don't, he he takes them out of existence. <laughs> <laughs> or if they're unionized, and they're erased. Unionized, yeah. Um. <coughs> so. Uh, yep. The the Krenim are pretty much gone. Uh, Janeway orders Harry Kim to route any data about. Uh, what just happened to Astrometrics, but Chakotay informs her that those systems are still offline. 
uh, because they're fucking wrecked, yeah. and she orders them back online. Aboard the Krenim ship, Obrist reports the erasure of the Krenim Imperium, telling Anorax the incursion has gone terribly wrong. Anorax is in disbelief, thinking their calculations were perfect. Looking at the data, Obris notices they left out a vital component from their calculations, Voyager's new temporal shields. Mm. Anorax orders a course set towards Voyager. Day 70. <laughs> I do like how also they were reduced to a pre-warp civilization, so they were basically, that they were, like Voyager was just looking at like, a space shuttle mm -hmm. like just like a normal like uh yeah just like a little satellite in space yeah. just like <laughs> little baby dick shit yeah just like mm -hmm. oh well we can take these guys out they should have just like fired on them just just because oh yeah just blown them out of existence yeah. just, just for chucks just like look at that alien space <laughs> <laughs> like fuck you guys yeah assholes just like what the aliens did to the challenger that's true yeah and the challengers did that uh-huh i mean the aliens did that yeah 100 percent. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Day 70. Uh, in astrometrics, scans show what they already knew. The Kremen Imperium went from region-wide to non-existent. Janeway Order 7 to track its source, and they pinpoint the Garanor homeworld. Janeway notes that they passed the Garanor three weeks ago, but Seven notes that they seem to no longer exist. Seven theorizes that the temporal weapons and temporal waves are both from the Kremen, but Janeway confuse, uh, is confused as to why they'd wipe out their own civilization. Janeway thinks that there's something missing, but the ship is suddenly rocked. Rocked! Yeah. I wanna rock! Rock! <laughs> um, Anorax's ship arrives. Did you know that that song's about crack cocaine? Is it really? Yeah. I wanna rock. Mm. Like a rock of crack cocaine. Hmm. Yeah, D. Schneider loves crack cocaine. He's, 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 a, he's a lifelong sober person. He's a lifelong teetotaler. Yeah, he doesn't do it. He just loves it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he loves what it does to the black community. Because <laughs> he's a racist. <laughs> he, lo he, loves the cr he loves the 94 crime bill where, it's, where there's harsher sentences. <laughs> Wait, it's like 100 times harsher sentences for crack cocaine than for, yeah, for, powder for, cocaine? For, yeah, for rock cocaine than powder, yeah. 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 I want to rock! Yeah. Um. <laughs> I want a rock yeah. <laughs> to devastate communities that I disagree with. <laughs> it's like, damn, D. Snyder, you racist prick. Yeah, dog. <laughs> Maybe, uh, yeah, doctor, heal yourself or whatever. Yeah, really. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. So, Anorax's ship arrives. Aboard, Obris confirms Vent Voyager's temporal field. Anorax orders two crew members and a piece of the hole taken for research. This time, the temporal incursion will be against Voyager. Boom! Damn, son. On Voyager, Harry Kim reports that the entire Krenim vessel is in a state of temporal flux and exists outside of space-time. Chakotay and Paris are suddenly beamed away from the bridge. A hail comes in from the Krenim. Anorax is there and observes that Voyager is not from their quadrant. She tells them of Voyager's journey and asks about the erasure of the Krenim Imperium, but Anorak says it's none of her fucking business. <laughs> Damn, son. Damn. He's grouchy. I do like how he basically invented immortality for mm -hmm. himself and his yeah. crew, and that's, like, least of their concerns. They don't even care about that <laughs> they shit. They don't even care about that no. shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he tells her that she has diverted his mission, and Janeway realizes he's the one responsible for the timeline shifts. 
He tells her that Voyager must be erased as well to restore the lives of countless millions and then cuts the feed, drops the fucking mic. Mm. The Krenim fire uh, the temporal weapon at Voyager and its shields are instantly destroyed. Seven scans the weapon and finds its mass prevents it from achieving speeds in excess of warp six, which Voyager can go much faster than. Mm. Tuvok cautions that damage to the ship uh, mean the warp speed will cause extreme damage. I never saw like the size of a ship affecting its warp capabilities. I didn't either because it's it's I mean just like you know it, it's it's entirely separate thing from like weight and things like that that yeah. would like it affect form, it. Yeah, it forms a uh, uh, a bubble, a warp bubble, or yeah, a warp you. a warp field. Yeah, warp yeah, field. So, exactly. Like and, so, like I never saw. And mass as actually being sort of like a factor that goes into what can achieve. I mean, I guess like you know, with like you know, when um, Paris hit warp ten or whatever. Yeah, it like did it in a small craft. Small craft, but but that episode is goofy. <laughs> it's very I goofy. I love it. I yeah. love how goofy <laughs> but, it is. But yeah, it just it seemed inter- it just seemed interesting. I thought there was like ships comparable to Anorex's ship. But did we ever find the name of the Anorex ship? Uh, no, it's just called the Krenim Weapon Ship mm. in the episode. Oh, that's kind of boring. Yeah, I, if it was a movie, they, you know, they would have come up with some sick ass name for it. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> uh, Time's Shadow or something Time like that. Time Shadow. That that's actually a pretty sick name. Yeah. Uh, uh, Time Shadow. Uh, anorexia. <laughs> anorexia. <laughs> anorexia. That, that's his music festival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. That's the whole reason he's trying to return. He's trying to make the Krenum Empire as big as possible, so he can have like the maximum attendance to his, um, to his, his, his music <laughs> festival. <laughs> the the more planets we inhabit, the more they will show up to my to my band. The more they'll like me. The more they'll like me and see this. They'll, they'll see I put on a really good show. I have. And I'm a, a really cool guy. <laughs> I have a lot of good acts. There's some good vendors that are going to be there. We got you know all sorts of different food vendors. We've got some face painting. You know, kids <laughs> like that. Like he, he initially started this because he put on basically their. Um, the fire cr- festival. Yeah, they put, on the, they put on the Crenum Fire Festival, and it was a complete disaster. He did that on the Zal Homeworld. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, Anorex, you fucking suck. The fire festival fucking sucks, dude. He's they like, made a couple sh- documentaries about it. <laughs> he threw himself into t- into temporal mechanics. To, to, <laughs> I'll I'll make it. I'll I'll make this never happen. The fire festival will never happen. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason for this entire <laughs> debacle. Yeah. Um. So, uh, where were we here? Um, so, Tuvok cautions that the damage to uh, the ship at the moment means that going to warp 7 to escape the Krenim will cause extreme damage to the ship. But Janeway feels that they have no choice and orders the ship prepared for warp. Mm-hmm. Janeway engages the warp drive at warp 7. This uh, seven of nine. Yeah, it is. Uh, I do. I do like how they don't even try to overexert themselves. Like, they, mm-hmm. like okay, they can only go warp six. All right, just go warp seven. Yeah, <laughs> let's go warp six point one. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. should just like as a fuck you, like on, yeah. Yeah, on warp <laughs> warp six point oh 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 one. Hit it. Is <laughs> <laughs> barely outpaced. I'm just like a guy on a highway who just won't let you pass. He's like, can't get me. Uh, So the ship escapes, but not before being severely damaged as large pieces of the outer hull break away. (laughs) And, like, 
every fucking day in this fucking episode and next episode, the ship gets more fucked up. And every time I'm like, that's the most fucked up it can possibly get. And again, also, wouldn't the warp field protect it from that sort of like thing or falling apart? I yeah, because the the warp field is essentially shields. Yeah, and like we saw in like Prodigy, how like you can actually like be on the outside of the ship and jump from ship to ship Mm -hmm. while while in the warp thing. So there's no sort of like um, velocity or force that would cause the ship to fall apart. Mm -hmm. Like even still in in a vacuum of space, like you would you would be kind of you would be impervious to like you know what velocity and stuff <laughs> just like just I, i'm i'm no physicist I, so I, me I, I can't speak on this i weld pieces of metal together for a living <laughs> so but i'm just saying i'm just saying i'm just putting i'm posing a question out there that's fair fair yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it could just be because the ship is just literally falling apart due to all the damage it suffered but still i was, mm-hmm. just, I was wondering about that i was just like oh well for one it's a warp out bubble and two it's the vacuum of space uh, true I, I don't know yeah maybe 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 if any, if anybody out there is smart, let us know in the comments. Of- yeah. If anybody <laughs> out there is smart, what the fuck are you doing listening to this podcast? <laughs> yeah. What? What's ha- It's weird to me because we've got like half a dozen people with graduate degrees or doctorates. Wow. That are like patrons of ours. Wow. And I'm like, that can't be right. <laughs> that cannot be right. There's something very wrong here. Maybe... Maybe it's like their way of relaxing is mm. like they go and do smart shit all day. So like I would listen to two they go people. home and just like <laughs> listen to the two dumbest motherfuckers yeah. on earth with a gun in their mouth. Yeah. And then that's it. and then masturbating and then they can finally go to sleep just, easy. Just like just like swirling like a like a like a fine bourbon in their hands <laughs> and, and while sitting in front of and sitting in front of a fireplace when in, in their in a nice smoking jacket and be like like laughing at the things we say, not because it's funny, because it's like <laughs> fools <laughs> <laughs> These Philistines think they watch Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> they only see it they don't watch it i love the comments of the common peoples mm. but yeah yeah well if you let us know if we're wrong or what you know what actually don't actually don't. <laughs> day 73 uh janeway calls a meeting of the surviving crew members in the <laughs> remains of the mess hall that's so, that's so sad yeah uh i had to write it like that yeah. <laughs> Uh, she sadly uh, informs them of the ship's inability to sustain uh, the crew any longer. Uh, if they stay, they're going to die. Yeah. Uh, she is now forced to make the decision Chakotay <laughs> has suggested weeks before abandon the ship. Yeah. The senior staff, she announces, will stay behind with her and attempt to rescue Chakotay in Paris. She gives the departing crew some inspiring words before dismissing them. Escape pod hatches open, and the pods carrying most of the crew emerge from the remains of the hole and fall away from the ship. To be continued. Oh, no! Yeah, that's the first half of the episode. What do you think? I liked it. Yeah, me too. Like, I was I was just thinking, like, yeah, the entire time. Like, it's been a while since I've uh, rewatched this episode. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know what? This is... And especially after you know this is you know at, having seen it after we've um, you know re-reviewed all the movies and everything mm-hmm. else, and I couldn't just help just think like this is the perfect Star Trek movie, like what like it would be a really good Star Trek movie mm-hmm. like if it was actually given some sort of budget and mm-hmm. um, 
Kurtwood, because Kurtwood Smith, excellent villain. Kurtwood Smith kills it in here. Like, he's the yeah. perfect foil to Janeway. Yeah, he has that perfect balance of 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 being completely sinister and mm-hmm. also just being also very compassionate and just like being being, being like a tragic um a tragic fallen person he's a like, tragic hitler yeah he's a tragic hitler mm-hmm. and and just like and you know, just you know go from like oh damn he's scary as hell and then like mm-hmm. oh you know kind of feel a little bad for the little guy and yeah yeah you know? and so it's just like and and just like the stakes feel very uh, very hard, and and also it does and again another, another thing I like about uh, Voyager as a series, where since they're completely um, cut off from the rest of the Federation support, mm-hmm. so they're literally out there by themselves. Yeah, like they have, they have very, they have no allies. They have uh, no one they can call. They you know because in another Star Trek series they could easily like in in, in uh, Next Generation they could call another the closest starship mm-hmm. and the closest starship will be there and or and they can get some assistance they got homies you got homies you got homies and voyager here, ain't got no homies they got no homies they so gotta make their own homies so they're really just like just like cruising along and a patch and just like doing patchwork uh repairs on this mm-hmm. on this ship and right and, and that's something that i f- think was great in the first few seasons of voyager that mm-hmm. they just eventually lost mm-hmm. for some reason is like the kind of uh scarcity play yeah um where you know they're traveling through they don't have the resources they need because they weren't uh you know depending on having a fucking like 50 year mission back no and you know there's things like dilithium and antimatter that they mm. need um to to operate their ship mm-hmm. and just matter in general for like replicators and mm-hmm. shit like that yeah and so of course they have to go to planets where they can collect this shit and some of them are going to be near other inhabited planets from warp civilization so they're gonna run into other people yeah inevitably but I don't know. We, we kind of see less and less of that as the series goes on. There's less of like Janeway having to barter for different materials with other people and mm-hmm. make hard decisions like that. And Janeway does make some really good hard de- <coughs> decisions and is just like s- super Janeway in this. She is. Especially this is, in the next episode. This, she is honestly, like, so I think this episode, these two episodes are both Janeway and Tom Paris at their absolute best. Yes. Like one of the even, best, even in the next episode, Chakotay in a way, like fuck Chakotay. No, still, fuck he's, you. He's, no, he's still, no, you're wrong. He's still, he he eventually comes to the right he conclusion. Comes to the right conclusion after like after like licking boots for the entire episode. He yeah. finally looks up and realizes that the dick's in his face. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like he's just like because you know typically like in the episodes he's so mm. che- like Robert Beltran is so checked out. Yes, like, yeah, yeah if, that's if, true. If, he actually does some medium some some actual like acting yeah, like does, capital a acting yeah chakotay is is making decisions and you can see like in in and talking and mm-hmm. making like action doing actions based on those decisions and so mm-hmm. it's just like wow chakotay's doing something instead of just like yeah sitting in the like sitting in a chair and being like no no hologram no uh holodeck privileges <laughs> right and so this is so chakotay or uh, robert beltran famously hated being on the show and was yes. so checked out that after every season uh he'd uh when they went into contract negotiations he would give his uh agent an absurd price sometimes even doubling what his asking price was before and every single time paramount came back and said yeah sure and so it was like fuck and that's why we're losing shows now yeah exactly <laughs> like, yeah like it's just like yeah you overpaid robert beltran you know 20 odd years ago mm. now now um now we're now we're losing um prodigy and stuff 
I mean, that that's not why. It's because <laughs> it's because it's an upward transfer of wealth to. Yeah. I mean, they're overpaying the executives now. Yeah. There's they're not overpaying anybody except for the top executives, yeah. like. I was joshing around. Yeah, and you know they they, they uh you know w- did the math and found out that like even like twenty percent of the bonuses for the top twenty ex- TV executives could pay for everything the WGA is, mm. GA is asking for right now. Yeah, like uh, uh they just did uh showed um uh, Ferrari the new Michael Mann movie mm-hmm. and like the actor the the actors were able to promote it because like this the small production company they used to release Ferrari yeah. was able to meet all the SAG demands no problem mm-hmm. <laughs> like they were just like yeah of course yeah and and that's why they got the permission to promote Ferrari yeah we love we'd love to see that yeah. and and we we want to see more of that we want to see more independent production companies treating their workers well yeah. because you know what i think it's time for the indie movie to make a huge splash again i mean that's what's going to happen if like if like they can't come to any terms like yeah. you know, the people got to work mm-hmm. and so it's like yeah of course they're going to flock to um independent to, filmmakers to independent filmmaking mm-hmm. because you know they realize they can't use ai because mm-hmm. it's not copyright protected no. A, a, so like that goes again like that just put, throws a kink in their plans like oh mm-hmm. shit well you know we can't have a script written by ai and mm-hmm. you know and do that or, you know and or is in like axo you know have like uh ai actors completely acted because yeah that stuff's not copyright protected or mm-hmm. even like even like and and so it's like oh i guess we got to meet the demands but they're still just like trying to bleed people out so but you know people got to work so they'll go to those places you know like the production company that released ferrari you know mm-hmm. just like you know we'll work for you guys make films yeah. and they'll get paid we'd love to see it love to see it but otherwise for this you know i'm gonna give it a good grade i like it yeah yeah i'd, I'd give this the first episode uh even I, I think the second episode might be better than the first episode it is yeah um but i'd, I'd even give this first episode like an eight or an eight five out of ten it's a good solid episode of star trek mm-hmm. it leaves you on like the edge of your seat uh, it's a it's a great place to be continued. Yeah, now uh, a lot of the and a lot of the actors are given like a lot of like the characters are given a lot of really cool stuff to do. Like you know like because uh, there is that um, the uh, between uh, do- the doctor in Paris, you yeah, know, when he's like has to be like you know I had to make that decision that resulted in the deaths of two people, mm-hmm. which is very hard for him. And right. it's just like you know it's. It, that kind of shows like maybe like a sort of like you know evolution in his, in his programming as well mm-hmm. like having to actually make that hard decision to make people die yeah you know as for the greater good and then just like you know and so doctors going through stuff and doctor also in the second next episode also has some more good scenes and it's just like, yeah, yeah yeah everyone's 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 going at a 10 even chakotay yeah like everyone is <laughs> definitely on their a game yeah for these entire episodes mm-hmm. Like I would have, yeah, I would have loved to see this as a movie. It would have been great. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It yeah. would have been awesome. It would have been the best Star Trek film, uh, and not Galaxy Quest. It would, it would have <laughs> been the best Berman era Star Trek yeah. film. Easy, yeah, easy. Unless they made like Best of Both Worlds into a movie, mm. and then that maybe. Yeah. This is easily as far as a two-parter. I think it's easily up there with like Best of Both Worlds. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and some of the better DS Nine ones too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's a great place to leave it. Alrighty. Do you have anything else to say? No. Okay. Hope Kurtwood Smith is okay. I haven't heard from him in a while. Uh, yeah. I mean, I hope he's just retired. He's oh, probably yeah. in his seventies or so, eighties by now. Yeah, he is. I mean, yeah. he's looked like he was in his forties since the early eighties. So. Yeah. 
And the other day, I thought Gene Hackman had died, but he's just been retired, just vibing, yeah. just living life. No, he he's uh, he's actually hacking now. He's a, he's a Gene <laughs> Hackman now. Oh, he's Hackman. He's a white hat hacker. Yeah, he's, I'm Hackman. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hackman. Well, thanks for trekking with us, soldiers. Be well, travel safe, and uh, go watch Year of Hell. Go watch that shit. Hell yeah. All right, thanks for trekking with us, soy boys, girls, and I'll be the beans. Hang dong and Definitely like the second or third of the month. Should definitely pay rent. It's the first. Oh, is it the first? Yeah. It's the first of the month. Get up, get up, get up. It is the first of the month, you're right. <laughs> Tomorrow's the second. That's that's a yeah. good point. <clears throat> it's false. No way. Not this time. We created it. Not this time. No, no. Not this time. It's totally made up. Pure fiction. It's fiction. It's fiction. We made it up. We made this one up. <laughs> it's a made up tale. It's a total fabrication. It never happened. It never happened. This one was invented by a writer. Not this time. It never happened. It's false. It never happened. It's a fake. It's fiction. It's an urban legend that never happened. No way. We got you. Not a chance. Not this time. It never happened. It never happened. We made this one up. It's fiction. We made up this one. We made it up. Not this time. Is this? <laughs> Not this time. Not this time. You're wrong. This, this is time. the longest it clip never of all time. This is. Oh, that, that was it. There <laughs> that we go. That was it. <laughs>